they mentioned at the end of that that real liberty is founded in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as they pointed out, if you don't have the moral backdrop of God, you have the French Revolution, the Enlightenment, which defines liberty as the right to do as one pleases. As long as it doesn't harm anyone else, they'll add to that. But you see the futility of that. Liberty is the privilege to do what is right as defined by God and all liberty. God is the author of all liberty, and it is so important that we understand those principles. Um, if you say, that went so fast that um, I what didn't get it, um, we can give you the website to it, The Lost Secret of Liberty, just Google that and you'll find it. If you were enamored with how fast the guy drew and you didn't pay any attention to the words, you need to go read it uh, or read it or um, watch it again and, um, and see that. But the reality that our founding fathers had the insight and the wisdom given to them of God to um, establish principles based on the principles of God's Word that really have been the guiding light for our nation for these years and is the reason we enjoy the benefits that we enjoy today. I don't know how many of you read about this last week, the act of one man who drove his vehicle into the Ten Commandment Monument in Arkansas. The Ten Commandment Monument in Arkansas hadn't been up 24 hours. But um, he recorded it live on Facebook. And incidentally, this that you just saw has been restricted from Facebook. That 13-minute video is restricted from Facebook. Um Mark Zuckerberg, is his name Mark? Mark Zuckerberg came out this last week. I just feel like sharing today, okay? Came out this last week and said the day is going to come when Facebook will replace the church. He says all the social needs, all the communication, all the dispensing of information. There was a day in our land when the pulpit was the most heard voice in the land. And when, when individuals say that whatever organization will replace the church, they are immediately declaring war on God because God said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. When you make statements like that, you are showing your ignorance, you are showing your arrogance, and it is norm for our society today. But in understanding, this guy that rammed his vehicle and recorded it live um, into, the, into the monument of the Ten Commandments, um, 
allegedly yelled when he did that, freedom, as he crashed into the, into the monument. The reality is, and, and this is the mentality of, of um, the world today, that God and his ways are restrictive. And freedom, get rid of these Ten Commandments. Freedom means that I can go do whatever I please. It is important for us to understand that that path of identification of what freedom is, is the path to destruction and death. But there's this ever-growing animosity between the heritage of our land and those that are opposed to that, that just in the last year we have seen come to new heights in the violence, in the hatred. And, you know, sad to say, many times there have been... maybe shouldn't say many times, there have been times that believers have taken matters into their own hands out of frustration and done things that were not becoming of the cause of Christ and were not right. But you have this growing tension. As a follower of Jesus Christ, I know this is what our nation was founded on, and now this is where it's going and the frustration, the tension that is there. And the tension is the same on the other side as well. And, and it's like it's the, the boiling pots of Old Faithful or Yellowstone Park. They're just bubbling and, and it's like it's ready to blow. And as Christians, we ask, how am I supposed to live in this world? What is my response supposed to be? Is uh, is my response supposed to be, oh, well, it's all going to end and don't care? Or is it to be different than that? Well, understand there's nothing that is new. We're not going to face anything that is new. There's no temptation that comes into our life but such as is common to man. It's already been there. Men have already faced it. And... The church at Philippi was facing similar things. They were living in a culture that was very much more so anti-God than the culture we may be in. And Paul wrote to them, reminding them again of the work of God in their hearts and lives and, and what to value, and reminding them again that... Um, He was not to be held up higher than they were. He reminded them again of um, the need to be a follower of Jesus Christ. But notice if you look in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 17. Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. For many walk, of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, 
and whose glory is their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Philippi was a Roman colony that was 800 miles east of Rome. It was surrounded by a territory that was controlled by Rome, but the people in that territory did not have Roman citizenship, whereas the people of Philippi were considered citizens of Rome. They had the legal status as Roman citizens. So the city was really like an outpost of Roman life. It was governed by Roman law. They practiced Roman customs. A Roman could go to Philippi and feel right at home. So Paul's writing to them, and he brings in a whole new element about citizenship because the, the people at Philippi could be very puffed up with, I'm a Roman citizen, which was the power ruler of the time. And yet he wrote to them, reminding them that there is a citizenship that is much greater than that. And it's, a, it's an issue that as we as believers, we deal with. Citizen of heaven on earth, how does that work? Well, we must go back and lay some foundation. Number one, we must accept God's unchangeables. You know, God puts in our life many unchangeables. For example, your parents. You didn't get to choose your parents. Your parents, that's an unchangeable that you need to accept. Your physical features, you didn't get to choose those. Those are given to you. You need to accept it. Hard to believe, but um, in our day we struggle with God gave you your gender. That's an unchangeable. I don't care what Bruce Jenner tries to tell us, okay? It's an unchangeable, and it's learning to accept that. Our brothers and sisters, our birth order, our time in history in which we were born, our nationality or place of origin. You did not choose that. You did not choose that you'd be born in America or born in Canada or born in other countries. So we need to, first of all, as foundational, accept and sad to say there are many people that go through life that are bitter all their life about certain unchangeables that God has put in their life. Some people are bitter that the parents that God gave them, or the brothers and sisters. Some are bitter about their, their time in history. But we must accept God's unchangeables. Secondly, we must be wise stewards of what God gives us. God gives us mental capacities. God puts us in families. God gives us responsibilities. And in light of July 4th, just around the corner, if he's given you the privilege to be an American citizen, 
We must be wise stewards of what God has given us. He's given us liberty. We must, we must be wise stewards of that. But God has also given each of us here today the knowledge and access to salvation in Jesus Christ alone. So we that are here today have been exposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. This last week, over and over again, it was presented that we are sinners, that sin separates us from God, that the only, and as we saw here, the only bridge, if you please, the only connector between God and man is the God-man, Jesus Christ. And by the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ, he paid the penalty for our sin. And he invites us to come to him that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So he's given you the knowledge and the access to the salvation in Jesus Christ alone. Then this brings us to Philippians Faith in Jesus Christ gives us another citizenship. So this is where we run into this. I'm, I'm a citizen of America. I came to know Christ as my personal Savior. And as Paul said here, that our citizenship is in heaven from which we anxiously, eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm an American citizen, but I now, as a child of God, born into God's family by faith in Jesus Christ, am now a citizen of heaven. And oftentimes we struggle with making these two work together. Oftentimes we fail to um, see God's design in this. Let me just quickly today go through the difference between earthly citizenship and heavenly citizenship. Earthly citizenship, you are born physically with it. Heavenly citizenship, you must be born spiritually. Nicodemus came to Jesus, and Jesus said, you must be born again. And you remember, Nicodemus said, I can't go into my mother's womb again. And he said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. You must be born spiritually. To be a a citizen of heaven, there must be a time where you personally call upon Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. The earthly citizenship, you are born physically Heavenly citizenship, you are born spiritually. The earthly citizenship is temporary. We, if we're born here, we are Americans. But that is not a permanent citizenship. Our heavenly citizenship is eternal. Our earthly citizenship is doomed to failure. When you see the big picture, all the nations of the earth are going to fail. Earthly citizenship, I don't care what nation you're in, 
is doomed to failure. All the nations of the earth will fail. Heavenly citizenship is destined to success. It is guaranteed success. Because the King, Jesus Christ, is the King over all creation. And as children of His, we are one with Him. Earthly citizenship ends in death. Heavenly citizenship, I didn't know how else to put this, but I put it, ends in life. How does something end in life? But that's the paradox in God, isn't it? Earthly citizenship, there's going to come a day when I'm going to die, and my earthly citizenship is over. But when I die, my heavenly citizenship is eternal. It never ends. It ends in life, if you please, that paradox. Earthly citizenship is man-centered or woman-centered. Man-centered, Donald Trump, Mike Pence, Kim Reynolds, police chief, mankind, city hall, man, 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 man. Laws, 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 laws. Heavenly citizenship is God-centered. And Paul is writing to the church at Philippi, and he said, Don't you go glorying in your earthly citizenship. Number one, we didn't choose it. Number two, the future of it is not very good. He said, you glory in this, that your citizenship is in heaven. As Christians, we carry a passport that says earth and another passport that says heaven. And now we have that dual, if you please, citizenship. But the heavenly passport, the heavenly citizenship, is the one that matters. So that's where the question comes in mind. Well, what do I do? Just um, just let everything go to pot here in America? Not care about it? The greatest thing we can do for this nation or any nation in which we're called to live is to live godly and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. C.S. Lewis said, if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did the most for this present world were just those who thought most of the next. The apostles themselves who set on foot the conversion of the Roman Empire. The great men who built up the Middle Ages, the English evangelicals who abolished the slave trade, all left their mark on earth precisely because their minds were occupied with heaven. So the greatest that we can do for the earthly citizenship is to have our minds on our heavenly citizenship. John Locke believed 
that you need good laws to have good government. He was instrumental in helping South Carolina establish their um, constitution. And his philosophy was good laws will produce good government. William Penn, on the other hand, said you need good men to have good government. William Penn said governments, like clocks, go from the motions men give them. This is back in the day when men wound up clocks, okay? And as governments were made and moved by men, so by men they are ruined. He went on, Wherefore governments rather depend on men than men upon governments. Our founding fathers totally agreed with William Penn. You must have good men. That's why Thomas Jefferson, the quote that we read earlier, Christianity is vital to government because only Christianity changes the heart. It doesn't matter the laws you have if you don't have good men or godly men. It doesn't matter the laws if the heart has never been changed. And that's why I fear many times we look to Des Moines or Washington, D.C. to bring change in our land. The laws, even if they make the best laws that we could say, those are wonderful. Those laws will not change the heart of man. Liberty, as we just saw, comes from the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the greatest thing we can do for this land is to live for our heavenly kingdom, and that will trickle down, if you please. That will have an impact on our land. Colossians chapter 3 said, Set your hearts on things above not on things of the earth. Set your hearts on Christ. That's a direct command to be heavenly minded. So how should we live in this world that will die? How should we live in this world that's destined to failure? Well, when we realize we are stewards of God's creation... Our job is to be managers of the earth and lovers of people. Secondly, after we love God, we will understand that we are here to help people. We are here to improve our culture. We are here to be righteous stewards of God's earth. And by setting our affections on things above, it will make us to have the greatest impact in this earth. That's why in Proverbs 14 and verse 34 it says, Righteousness exalts a nation. Well, how can you bring righteousness? You bring righteousness through good people. By good, I mean godly people. People whose heart has been changed. People whose heart is controlled by the Spirit of God. That's why, as again, I say that 
liberty, as they said, is founded in the gospel of Jesus Christ. William Penn said, men will either be governed by God or ruled by tyrants. And the more we move away from being governed by God as individuals, as families, as states and nations, the more we will be ruled by tyrants. Again, it all comes back. Our heavenly citizenship is vitally important, not to just get us out of here, but it is vitally important that we would be the light, that we would be the salt, that we would make a difference. Proverbs 29 and verse 2 realize that you need good men to have good government. It says, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. See, it all begins with the heart. It all centers around this. So let me just quickly make four basic applications. Number one, do you know that you are a citizen of heaven? Do you know that you are a child of God, that you are a citizen of heaven? And that is only by faith in Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of sin. It is only by calling upon him and submitting to him, bowing, laying down my rebel arms and saying, God, I cannot save myself. I cannot run my own life. I was made for you and I want to be restored for fellowship with you. Will you forgive my sin? That is the only way we become a citizen of heaven. Number two, I ask, are you making a difference in this life? In this life, is this life better because of you? If everybody in your neighborhood became like you, would that be a good thing or bad? If everyone at work became like you, would that be a good thing or a bad thing? We are here... As stewards, he gave us this dominion that we are to take care of and we are to make it better. When you leave, you should have left it better than you found it. Then I ask if you are a citizen of heaven, do you long to be home? He said in Philippians, we eagerly, our citizenship is in heaven from which we eagerly long to see the Savior. And then I ask, why do you long to be home? Just to get out of this mess or to have unrestricted fellowship with God? There's a major difference in those two things. Those of you that have been in or traveled in foreign countries, you know what it's like to long to be home. To long to be where you are able to read every sign and understand the speech that is spoken and, and, and eat the food that you're accustomed to and, and there, there's a longing 
And throughout the scriptures, it says we are pilgrims, we are strangers, we are foreigners. If, if I am a citizen of heaven, you know, there is a longing for home. And there is a peace that it gives. I should do all that I can to help this nation and this community be godly and glorify God. But I know the best is yet to come. And then we ask this, if you are a citizen of heaven, how are you building God's kingdom? He said, we are to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. What are we doing to build God's kingdom? Through our life, through our witness, through our actions. See, I really believe if we had a revival among Christians that we really believed we were citizens of heaven and acted like it, it would, it would drastically revitalize Christianity and it would have a purifying effect on our land. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness And all these other things shall be added unto you. It is good, godly men that are key to a government. And only God can make that. And the best thing we can do for this land and this citizenship is to live for our heavenly citizenship. That's the neat thing about living for God. It's not like I need to choose between uh, being a good father and being obedient to God. No, I put God first. It will make me a better husband. It will make me a better father. It will make me a better citizen. It will make me a better everything. It's not a choice. It's set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bring a revival of our understanding, our heavenly citizenship. That this world is not our home, that you've left us here to have an impact on this world, to make a difference in this world. But Lord, I pray that every believer here today would be reminded would be challenged, convicted, and comforted by the fact that our citizenship is in heaven. And Lord, I pray if there are individuals here this morning that are not sure that they are citizens of heaven by faith in Jesus Christ, I pray that today they would call upon you for the forgiveness of sin. Lord, If they're not sure of the truth of the gospel, I pray they would mention that to someone before they leave today. And we could show them from your word how they can know that they have everlasting life. Lord, thank you that you have given us this great privilege of living in this land. But Lord, we know that it is temporary. We know that it is doomed to failure But you have raised us up for such time as this, 
And thank you for your grace that has called us to the heavenly kingdom, which will never fail, which is eternal. And Lord is life. So I pray that our hearts would be made to make a difference in this world by living as citizens of your kingdom. And may our lives be such that we are instruments used of you to point others to you. We pray in Jesus' name with thanksgiving. Amen. Let's stand together and and sing together. God bless America.